Oh, welcome to the latest Love Sport podcast with Paul and John. Uh, look, we are fired up about the modern sporting landscape. Hypocrisy of second coaches and players over their social media commentary when they were hired with the same information anyway. We are really fired up about this modern world. We may not be right. We may not be wrong. We might be somewhere in between. But this is the Love Sport Podcast. Sport Podcast. Uh, get your ears ready. John and I are super fired up. You may not agree with what we've got to say tonight, but it's just the truth. And, you know, we're not going to flower it. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit about current events, coaches being sacked, um, players speaking out or not being able to speak out, and just the current kind of climate we're in. Sport is not life. But for many of us, it is a major part of life. Um, and John, I'm just going to do a little bit of a introduction here, mate, as you might have noticed. Um, and a lot of things that happen in life are mirrored throughout sport and, and so forth. We learn lessons from life and left lessons from sport. But right now, we're in a really dangerous time where absolutely anything you've done in the past at any time can be used against you, whether you're a coach or a player. And we're going to talk a bit about that tonight. We might go backwards and forwards on our views. We might not agree. We haven't um, scripted this at all. So, John, how are you, mate? I've just got one sound to make, if that's okay. Yep. Because I've been waiting to make this sound for a while. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I haven't... Everyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while surely knows what this noise makes. I'll do it again. Do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love pissing off the Guardian. I've got to say, this has been the most funnest week ever. I I cannot wipe the smile off my face. I can't stop laughing. Um, Did you just open a beer? Well, get one for me. (laughs) I just want to drink on can and, you know, I mean, I spend my life educating um, children to be good people and and uh, and we talk about what's real and what's not. But let's be realistic. When it comes to football and in particular the sport of soccer in Europe, there's only one thing that talks and that's money. And anyone who thinks it doesn't is kidding themselves. And you know what? I've never had a lot of money. All I've ever done is work. Uh, but most of the people who follow football around the world don't have a lot of money. They also don't have the luxury of being able to tell people with lots of money where they should get their money from. So I'm just going to sit back and make this noise again. It's okay. Just one more time. You ready? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So sometime during the last week, Paul, my piece of shit football club went from being a laughing stock on a weekly basis Sad yep. Northern, not the big club, you know, you're not this, you're rubbish, all that, blah, blah, to being the richest sports organisation on the planet. And I went back and had a look at all the stuff through the week of the, the actual contenders for that for that prize, um, New York Yankees, yep. Los Cowboys, yep. Manchester United, Barcelona, yep. AC Milan, I don't know who else you can put in there, maybe, um, gosh, um, Adelaide United, I don't know. <laughs> and I just I just went, you know what, overnight we became the richest club on the planet and it's no guarantee of success, but 
Gen football, it's a big part of getting you there. So I just got to make that noise one more time. <laughs> hey, if anyone wants Joe Linton, uh, come and get him. I was listening to this absolute rubbish tonight a podcast. I'm up in North Queensland. You know, I've been on holiday for a couple of weeks. It's been a great holiday too, by the way. This is absolute rubbish podcast. I think you've heard of him. It's the Guardian. Uh, oh, oh no, yeah. it wasn't even the Guardian one. It was the um, it was the BBC Five Live um, one, which you know they sometimes lower their colours and other times they don't. Making out that Steve Bruce is the most, you know, um, terribly treated character in the history of English football. Talking about his dream job and all. Now I'm going to give a couple of things, right? Yep. Steve Bruce has done a good job of keeping us just out of relegation. Um, Steve Bruce was the beneficiary of some of the only spending that Mike Ashley actually ever did, and some of it was absolute, you know, horrendous. Um, and he did a reasonable job. When they talk about being his dream job, Steve Bruce spent his whole life playing for Manchester United. You know, and before he took his dream job, he was a coach at Sunderland. He'd been around the tracks. I get it, and all the rest of it, but. Anyone can see the writing on the wall. And, you know, Steve Bruce has been lucky to be the coach of Newcastle United, much the same way I wish I had been. But he's finished. And he's not being poorly treated because he's going to get paid out about £8 million. No, no, he's actually very well treated because, A, he's getting paid out the £8 million. And I think it was on FIFA when it shows Newcastle winning a game, uh, Steve Bruce sprints out in front of the players. So FIFA's treated Steve Bruce really well because there's no way he's ever out sprinted anyone in any game. Mm. Yeah, and and all these narratives that are coming along with it now. It's like, you know, I mean, can anyone remember who was the manager of Chelsea the day Roman Abramovich took over? Well, no. But let, let's talk about money in sport. And you, uh, for the last few years, have been the subject of takeovers by, you know, very big clubs. Being a Northern club, you've got the Midlands clubs and then you've got, like, the Manchester and Liverpool clubs and everything. So... I always thought you were a club that was ripe for the taking. Massive support around the world. But people talk about sport. I always see Newcastle jerseys everywhere. And I do see Leeds jerseys everywhere and stuff like that as well. So you were ripe for the takeover. And for some reason, you kept getting blocked. Right? Mm. This sale goes through. Now everyone's throwing mud. Be really careful when you're throwing mud that it's not shit. Because Mm. (laughs) money... I say this to my kids when they talk about Bezos and, and um, Bill Gates and all those billionaires, right? And I know Bill Gates has done some great things and uh, Zuckerberg and all those guys. Mm. Now, this is just my opinion, mate. It's just an opinion. It's not slander. It's an opinion. I think anyone who has billions, in my mind, is evil. It's just me. It's just me. And the reason is there's so much good you could do with that money. How much is enough? You can change the world. All right, you, you could you could put people through uni. You could keep people in housing. You're never going to solve those issues because some people want to be in that situation or don't know any better, right? Mm. But money, money, money doesn't often allow you to be a great person. The more money you have, okay, because whether you believe in a god of your choice or whatever, if I had a ton of money in the bank and I wasn't helping people in need, I'd feel like crap. 
Well, right. I think the thing is that we don't really know who's helping people in need or not. No, but we also don't know. Half the time, we don't know where money comes from. You know, you've got guys like Donald Trump who say stuff like, I'm a self-made billionaire. Well, daddy gave you a couple hundred million to start with, and you've been bankrupt five times. I don't, I don't know many people who've been bankrupt who can go and get a loan for 200 million. So, no. you know, all, all I'm saying is, before you start throwing out, you know, oh, they've done these atrocities and they've done that. I mean, our own country committed genocide. Uh, just be, you know, really, if you're going to throw out stuff, really have a look across the board. I don't yeah, know I, if that's what, I that's just, what I want, I'm saying. I, and, you know, I just think that I've heard a lot of platitudes this week and I knew they were coming. Um, I've been very vocal about the Qatari stuff and I've been um, vocal about money in English football. But look, you know what, guess what? I don't write the rules on on the fact that there's no salary cap. And I've said there several is, times that I wish there was. There is but financial while, fair play, and that will still come into play for you guys. Yeah, whatever. Because it's so well written. The irony, the irony of that is that we're actually in a pretty good position you for are. that because of Mike Ashley the way around the club. Um, so when we had no ambition, that's actually going to help us in the next couple of years when we've got a rich owner because we didn't overspend anything. Um, well, yeah, but look, I, there's a lot of platitudes and people saying, oh, my God, you should... You know, stop doing. If I wanted to stop following football, I would have done it years ago. Oh, for sure. Um, and you know, there's been times. I can tell you this. There's been many a time when I've toyed with walking away from Newcastle United, and and I've actually made it public. It feels like I couldn't be bothered following them anymore. But I was never. You know what I'm not going to do? No. I'm not going to start supporting Sunderland just because they're in the third division. Um, I, I just I'm not interested in that. Uh, my club is my club, and that's what. I was born into it. I can't change it. And I've never, never had any control over the owners. I remember I was excited when Brian Johnson had shares in Newcastle, the lead singer from ACDC. I remember being excited when Mike Ashley took the club over yep. and saying, well, you know, we're the only club that's still got an actual genuine English owner. Well, that didn't work out, did it? So, you know, whatever. I, for me, can I just make that noise one more time? Just in case anyone missed it. <laughs> it's the best feeling ever. And um, I don't care who, what anyone says. I think everyone's just jealous because it wasn't their joint that got pulled and, and, and what's going to happen to the big six now, mate? Um, you know, in my, you know, the findings have come down. They're not going to be fine. They're not going to be deducted points. They're not going to be done anything. You've completely changed the mix of that um, uh, uh, of the big six in England, if you think about it. If you listen to the way that Arsenal fans have talked about Stan Kroenke and his lack of, you know, um, investment, the way he doesn't, they don't like the way he's run the club. Um, how many Liverpool fans have you heard who don't like the, you know, the sports Wrigley, whatever they're called? Uh, you've heard many times Man United fans that don't like the Glazers, they don't like this, they don't like that. Um, Liverpool yeah. now a bit scared of FS, is FSG. Is that their, their, their main yeah. group? Yeah, saying that, oh, my God, you're making it so hard for people to compete in the top six. It's like, well, you know what? You better believe, better get on. I think I think the club that's probably the, the most obviously um, affected by us at the moment is Spurs, who haven't done much with what they've had. Uh, I think Everton obviously can see that they're, they're, what they've been looking at disappeared a little bit. Um, and, you know, you can be certain that Arsenal aren't training the way they want to go. Um, so, you know, bring it on. I, I say let's get it on. I, I'm quite happy to challenge 
as a Newcastle fan. Yep. I just want to make this known to people who are fans of the top six. I'm more than happy for us to challenge you. Um, it was funny, they, you know, the, um, the Premier League meeting today, I read about that, and they said that the CEOs of the smaller clubs, you know, all the, you know, the, the, maybe the bottom eight clubs, they didn't really care. Not- they didn't care because you know what they're hoping for? The same thing. So why would you complain about it? It's the you know? compete. Well, mate, I, I've got to say this. Um, I'm a Villa fan, and I don't feel, and you'd know this because I've spoken to you, I don't feel any jealousy about what's happened uh, to Newcastle because uh, anyone who follows a club like Villa or Newcastle or Everton or, you know, those kind of mid-huge clubs, because they are huge clubs in the scheme of the world, um, I'm happy for you. I'm really stoked with the way my club's going. Um, I don't want us to be taken over in the same way you are, but that doesn't mean I'm not happy for you. I mean, we've got great owners. We don't have any debt. I think where there's, uh, there's no debt, there's a lot of money, financial fair play doesn't come in. And isn't that funny that if we had been relegated, remember that amazing escape that we did a couple of years ago? We were relegated. Yeah. We yeah. were in. We were, we were looking at a Sunderland um, People forgotten that very quickly as Villa fans. We're looking at a Sunderland situation. Absolutely. You were looking at, yeah, and, and a Leeds before that. Look, if Mike Ashley had been like a cross between Padre Pio and, um, you know, Mother Teresa, uh, we're not having this conversation. No. But, mate, I'm stoked for you. Let's, let's say this. For Newcastle fans um, as a whole, we all know how passionate they are, and every club has passionate supporters, but they have genuinely um, lived for their club. And uh, I, for one, I don't know anyone that I know who's against it. Like the football fans that we know are all like, congratulations, Newcastle supporters, you know. So they're the ones I care about. I don't really care about what Talk Sport or BBC or Optus Sport have got to say about it because, of, you know, they want clickbait as well. It was um, interesting. I mean, I'm looking forward to, you know, um, hearing more complaining from Rio Ferdinand. But it was interesting um, that during this week, it's actually the first time I've ever been cancelled on social media. Um, I put a, a tweet or having a conversation, about, I think it was with you, about about the um, Saudi ownership and yep. said, well, you know, they might have bought the only, um, we might be the only ever richest club in the world to get relegated. I take out Juventus from that and Rangers who all got done for impropriety, but to actually properly get relegated. And I, I made a joke. I said, well, how dumb are the Saudis? And the next thing, my Facebook feed went into No! I did my not face- know that. My Facebook went into lockdown. They said that you can't say that because I said breached, how dumb are the Saudis. You've breached community, community rights, yet um, different social platforms have had... I was having sex. a laugh. And, and, I'd been, and I couldn't have been more for the day like talking up the Saudis, could I? Oh, this could be the night we're cancelled, mate, because um, I, I, some of the stuff that I've seen go through on social media sexual and exploitation otherwise and you, we get cancelled for things like that I, I, I had a friend who got cancelled for saying F his football team last year and got like a 28 day ban and um, I couldn't believe it, he, he showed the screenshot so it's funny what some people get banned for and others don't, it's hilarious Who are these, who are these overlords, the overlords making these decisions? Oh, I don't know mate, maybe, uh, who knows Mate, let's, let's um. Let's segue a tiny bit, and congratulations to all our Newcastle friends and family. I really hope that it is the beginning of a beautiful era for you. Um, love seeing clubs like Newcastle right up there. Love, you know, 
the more clubs that are really competitive, um, there's no need for a big six. There's no need for a breakaway because the Premier League should be that anyway. Mm. Everyone, everyone wants to watch the Premier League. So more and more money will come into it, whether we like it or not. And those teams that go down will probably bounce back up. You know, it, it's just um, the pyramid's been brilliant for years, but money talks and the rest of it walks. So John Gruden gets sacked from the Raiders or quits because he's he quit. He resigned. So, I mean, let's face it, he was going to be sacked. Now, whether we agree with the stuff he'd written, and I'm, look, people can go away and research what he wrote in emails and everything from his ESPN email account, which is pretty bright um, to do that. The people who received the emails at that time, and, and I'd love to see what they responded. At the moment, they're not receiving any sanctions. ESPN is not receiving any sanctions. Or they never will. No, the, the, the football club, the football clubs and every, I just want to say this, holistically, if I'm hired for a business and I'm on my business account and I send out pretty much, we know all the stuff, the slurs, the, the homophobic stuff, the, the racial slurs and all that. If I did that from my work account, right, I would expect to be sacked. Mm. Would you, if you were sending it from your wherever you work um, account? Has that to say, I'm probably not that stupid, but then we do a podcast every fortnight where we put ourselves out there, don't we? We do, but you're not using this podcast from a work phone or you're not using this work podcast and putting your work name to it, right? Mm. Whereas I'm pretty sure it would have said John, whatever his middle name, Gruden at ESPN.com. David. There you go. Uh, John D. Gruden uh, at ESPN.com dot com dot us whatever it is in the us it's probably just dot com i think um we didn't do that so first of all he sent it more than likely from a work account second of all he was representing his company when he did that but it was 10 years ago right yeah so why now we know why it has come up those who want to do a bit more research this is a bit of revenge of why it's come up to be honest and kind of ironic or coincidental that it was announced on Monday Night Football that he was uh, resigning as well. But anyway. I think what's funny about it is, Paul, is that is that he was sending emails to a friend of his who he'd worked with at the Raiders. Yep. He was at the time working for ESPN. Yes. Um, and his mate was the chief executive of the then, let's call them what they were called, the Washington Redskins, yep. who were widely known as the most dysfunctional franchise in the NFL with an owner who, you know, probably is well and truly in the gun of um, woke media um, for all kinds of stuff. Very hard to move on an owner, okay? But they've been doing this massive investigation. I, I heard some crazy amount of emails that they, they shook down. The investigation had nothing to do with John Gruden. He, he's kind of like collateral damage. He was collateral damage. But nothing's happened to anybody at at the Washington um, Football Club at this point. And you can't do anything about Dennis Allen because I think he's out of a job. So let me say this. Mm. Where were ESPN at that point in time? Why are they also not taking accountability and saying, hey, you know what? It really, really was us as well. Okay. Why, you know, I'm sick of all these, you know, we don't stand for this and we don't do that. Well, you did because you did at the time. 
Okay. I think sometimes everyone has to take their pants off and be realistic and just stand there nude in front of a mirror and go, you know, what, what's, what's the truth of the matter? Now, I can tell you this, and, I, and I'm not alone. Since in the NFL broadcasting sphere, in the time since John Madden and Pat Summerall stopped being the lead broadcaster of the NFL, John Gruden was easily, along with Mike Tirico, the best commentators in the NFL. The most interesting, 100%. Um, And ESPN dined out on him for years because he was a, you know, he was kind of energetic, white, bit rednecky sort of dude. Um, But by golly, he knew the game and knew inside out. I mean, he was um, the offensive coordinator with the Packers when Brett Favre was there. He was at the 49ers and he was at the Raiders, and then he went to, you know, to win the Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I, you know, I saw that thing today. It's like, I really, I I hate knee-jerk reactions more than anything in these days. And it's like, because the thing is, when's enough enough? Okay, so the guy loses his job, whatever he said. I I know he he made a a comment about Demora Smith, the head of the, the, um, the Players Association in the States. Um, funnily enough, Demora Smith was really looking down the barrel of not winning that vote. He was about he was going to a vote for his position. Well, it wasn't the timing just perfect by ESPN to make sure that he kept his job as the you know the head of the the, the players association. Um, he made some comment about his lips. You know that's the sort of thing. Look, people say stuff all the time. Um, I probably wouldn't commit to writing. Um, if he said it, you know what, 10 years ago, turn around and say, so everyone move on because who cares? I actually don't hey, care. Look, I think the biggest thing is, you know, do we agree with John, what John Gruden did? We don't agree with what John Gruden did. We, and, and, but I, I just think we've said this since we started the podcast. Be careful casting stones and, and all that kind of stuff because every single one of us, if every email we did, if every text we sent, if, if our Facebook messengers were open to people, <laughs> we'd all be stuffed. I, I don't really see the point in Tampa Bay piling on today and expunging his name from their ring of honour. It's just a lot of crap, but it's all... It's the head coach who took him. Now, really esteemed people in the NFL, black guys in, in, in from the game and the media, Mike Tirico and Tony Dungy had the temerity to say he's made a mistake. We know the guy. He's a good bloke. He should be given the opportunity to seek forgiveness and all the rest of it. These days, nobody extends the hand of forgiveness to anyone. You, once you're on that, on that slippery slope, you, you are dead. So... Do the organisations that hire people as well, do they, do they go, hey, we stuffed up, we actually knew about this? Um, or do they go the other way and say, you know what, we knew about this, but we also know the kind of man he is. We also know that that was 10 years ago and we've seen no signs of any of this in the last few years. We stand by our man. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I usually think where there's smoke, there's fire, right? Now, Gruden's been yep. involved in the NFL for like 30 years. Yep. 30, 35, 40 years. If he was such an egregious character, 
and and bear in mind, he was at ESPN for like nearly ten years, the most wokest um, media organisation on the planet, and they didn't have anything on him there. Um, do you not think that that actually says more about him than the fact he sent a couple of emails to his mate? Well, let, let, let's go off John Gruden for a little bit and come back. We're just using him as, as an example of stuff that's happening nonstop, all right? You say where there's smoke, there's fire, okay? Now, mm. this, is another, this is another sideways bit. We've done no preparation for this tonight in terms of talking about each other. No, because all, Nick- all I want to do is do this. Can you hear this? No, stop, 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 stop. We've got it on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I knew God. you were going to do it. Mate, Ricky Nixon sells 20 or 30 um, signed uh, or purportedly signed uh, Melbourne Premiership football. So can you stay with me on this one on my, on my line of logic, right? Yeah. So Ricky Nixon, we all know about Ricky Nixon's past. He was the most powerful man in Australian sports management. He, he had the club 10. He had the biggest players in Australian football. He did, he did a lot of great stuff for the game in terms of um, turning AFL players into national superstars in, instead of just yeah. being, you know, Eastern state kind of southern state uh, situational players. I'm not saying that expunges him from everything. He's done a whole heap of stuff. We know the schoolgirl stuff. We know all the other stuff. We know he's got some issues in his life. I've, I've had a fair bit of dealing with him over the years, to be honest. But he's selling Melbourne 2021 premiership footballs. A guy with this massive track record. You only have to put in Google Ricky Nixon and you're going to get a million stories that are not going to put him in a positive light, right? Mm. So he's selling all these footies and he's telling Melbourne supporters, I've got certificates for authenticity. Yes, there's the numbers are wrong and their signatures don't look great. Melbourne players have come back and said, we didn't sign those footballs. That's not what I'm going to talk about right now. What I'm going to talk about is why the hell would you buy a football of Ricky Nixon in the first place? Knowing his track record, knowing how dodgy the bastard is right now. And I'm sorry, you want to sue me, Ricky, go for it, mate, because uh, no problems having to go at you in court. Why would you buy a football of a criminal? Purported criminal. Uh, I probably criminal. buy one of Ricky Nixon, but the other thing is, too, I'm very wary when I, you know, four minutes after the grand final and they've got the official memorabilia there signed by the whole team. Mate, there's a, there's a, I, I won't say that. the name. I hate that. Same here, same here. I'm not going to say the name of the shop because it is a shop that you can find in almost any shopping centre right now and they sell a lot of sports memorabilia. And I've yeah. argued with them from time to time because I'm like, what? That Maradona boot was in 1986 and he used that in the World Cup because that's what you've got on your plaque. And they're like, yeah, we've got the certificate of authenticity. I don't believe I, that. I don't mean to be rude. I can make a certificate of authenticity. I mean, the, the, the sports market like that, hey, buyer beware. You want to buy a boot that you think um, Maradona signed? The guy signed a million shirts. The guy would sign anything, wouldn't he? He'd sign a condom for people. Like, yeah. he literally he devalued his own product because he loved people. But I suppose what I'm trying to say is buyer beware. I'm not going to buy a $3,000 bit of memorabilia from a shop in a shopping center in, in the Northern suburbs of Brisbane. I'm just not because that certificate of authenticity means nothing to me. Right. Yeah. So why would you go and buy a footy off Ricky Nixon and then be on a current affair whinging that the footy's not right? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's like, yeah, that, that, it beggars belief why you would do that. Well, 
What's his connection, current connection with Melbourne? I don't, I can't imagine as much. I know people who do sell merchandise and I'm always telling you about the stuff I buy and everything like that. I do love dabbling in, in the sports memorabilia market myself and I'll quite often buy memorabilia that's not from my club from a player who's kind of just about the breakthrough. I love doing that. And then he breaks through and then your boots worth heaps and you can sell it, whatever. I love doing that for me. I enjoy it, but I know where I'm getting it from. So for example, I know a couple of guys who actually have a photo date dated with the person signing it, whether it's Tom Papley from Sydney or, or Matty Richardson, the ex player for Richmond, the guy who does it doesn't just have a certificate of authenticity. He actually has a date, kind of stamped photo of the player signing it with him standing next to it so that to me i'm pretty confident what i'm getting right mm. that's all i'm saying man bible where and yeah the guy's got a lot of problems and i actually feel really sorry for for ricky nixon this is not actually about him it's just about the world we live in where i didn't hear the reporter and a reporter's meant to give two sides of the story so i never heard the reporter say not once in any of the stories i've seen in the last 24 hours did you not think buying something from someone who's been reported as dodgy did you not think that might have been a bit of a hint i've not heard one reporter whether it's a newspaper channel nine channel seven i've not heard one reporter ask that isn't that what a reporter's meant to do uh, a reporter's meant to no, ask both I'm sides of the story for your emails <laughs> oh, and, and, and you know i'd love to see what they find but but you know what I mean. Like, I will say this, but like, you know, the, the simplicity for me, that's what I say to any kid these days who's in the sport, right? I, I collect jerseys, as you know. Yep. But I'm not collecting jerseys based on, you know, uh, I almost saw um, Maradona, actually. And by the way, not sure if you realise this, Newcastle have enough, enough money these days to pull Maradona out of the grave, cryogenically get him restarted with some electricity and put the 10 shirt on him. We got well, plenty. Was, yeah. And, um, and have your chairman as, as um, uh, Walt Disney, I believe. Uh, we're not going to bring him back. He's responsible for ESPN. We're just going to bring back Maradona. <laughs> that's true. That's yeah. true. Well, I collect jerseys, but, you know, um, you know, I've never put them in frames. Mm. Mm. Because the joy for me of having it is to actually put them on. Well, Tom's in here to- and, and let kids wear them and, and other people come around and do that. So I've got three jerseys that I know are legit. Yep. The rest are just like, you know, I got them here or there, but I've got three I know are legit. And and one's Mark Viduka. Yep. One's a Lucas Neal, Australian yep. one. And the other one is, I can't remember who it is. Um, but I've got, oh, uh, it's a Batistuta. Um, oh, my best that's my mate, five. I have to wear the Batistuta shirt. That's my five. Because he's got the hair, he looks good, you know. Um, and he, uh, people say, well, why did you put that in a frame? I'm like, why would I? Because to me, if it's not on, on the rack, you can pull it off, you can touch it, and people can play with it and put it on and dress up. It's not alive. You, you're going to find this funny. I used to collect jerseys and um, that, that were framed and everything, right? And mm. talking to my dad and everyone one day, I just went, oh, man, A, they take up heaps of space. And mm. B, B, you can't really touch them and stuff. So you you would know this. I actually collect things like boots. Um, uh, I collect like little strange things like that. The boot I can actually take, a game-worn boot, I can take out of the box. It's in a perfect a Perspex box. I've got Daniel Rioli's boots from 2017 when Richmond, you know, wasn't from the grand final, but from that season. 
The other day I picked the boot up and just had a bit of a look at it. It smells worn and on the bottom legitimately is grass and mud. I am never going to take it off that boot. Nice. Yeah, that's, it, you, you don't want to be able to touch them and feel them and that's really cool. And that's why I collect stuff like that now as opposed to jerseys. I mean, um, you've probably seen photos of me with Richmond jerseys with signatures all over them. Do you know how I know they're real? Because you've got those signatures. Yeah, like a little yeah, kid. I, I actually <laughs> don't want anyone to sign my jerseys anymore because I think it ruins them. Yeah, I mean, I've done that. Uh, the funny thing is, and, and you know how many jerseys I buy. Do you know how many jerseys I've got left in my cupboard? You give most of them away, haven't you? Yeah, I do. I reckon I've given away... I, I would say I've given away 100, 150 shirts in the past few years because if the little kid that I go to a game with loves the sport that much, and I'm like, dude, I've got a jersey. What, don't go and spend 100 odd bucks. I've got an old one. Do you want it? You should see the look on their faces, man. I've given jerseys away, scarves away, because in the end, I'm just going to go out and buy next seasons anyway, and <laughs> this seasons after because I'm a sucker. So I haven't bought a Newcastle jersey for you will uh, maybe since the first year. I, I bought the Alan Smith one um, when Ashley took over, and and he was a big figure in the Ashley um, falling out with the fans. It was terrible because yep. he wore Alan Smith's jersey, and, and Smith deserved better than that. But um, I haven't bought one since then, and you will. I really- would have bought some. I've got to be honest, I said to Lou, I said, I'm literally, I'm flying over. I'm going to fly over next Christmas. I'm flying over to the turn. I can't, I, I've got this little thing in my head and I want to be there. I want to be there when we're on an open top bus and we're holding a trophy and I'm at the Newcastle Central Station, which is where it'll come in. And anyone who's a Geordie knows exactly what I'm talking about. Or a Mackham yep. knows exactly yep. what I'm talking about. And, and, I, want, and I want to be there. When that ha- I want to be there when the boat comes in. Well, you're in a situation. You're in a situation. You can make that. You you, you will be able to make that happen. Um, I heard some people talking today. It was really nice, Paul. Because like, I I don't want to take up all of our podcasts. In, well, actually, I do. Um, because I've been thinking about it all week. I heard some amazing stuff from Newcastle fans in different podcasts. Uh, some old guys talking who were like, yeah, you know, seriously ill in hospital saying that they now are going to use this as a reason to try and hang in there for a couple more years to actually see us win something. And that's a beautiful thing. I believe it, mate. Uh, 2017, um, not sure. You know I've been off and on sick in the last few years. Mm. 2017, when Richmond made their run, I don't think I had been – that was probably the sickest I was. I had tickets for the grand final, tickets for the uh, NRL grand final as well. Um, I couldn't make it. I was just too sick. But Richmond making that run that year made me determined that I was going to live there to the end of that year at least. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so the, the power of sport, the power of hope, um, I'm sounding a bit evangelical right now, but the power of hope's amazing and sport gives that to people. And the people in my life who don't follow sport respect the, how much I love it and what it's done for me. So I'm super stoked for you, mate. I, I'm, I've got to be honest with you. We've got, a, we've got friends who are lead supporters. I hate leads. I couldn't give you a crap that Aussies played from. I just hate leads. I hate everything they stand for, right? They, they just, they're the biggest bunch of, uh, we should be huge. Look at our history. We're amazing. Well, heaps of clubs have got history. Heaps of clubs have got money. Heaps of clubs have got great fans, right? Doesn't mean that it's going to happen. It doesn't mean you actually deserve it. So when I see a club like Newcastle with the best supporters I know, 
get this break. I'm not jealous one bit. Do I love oh, look, I, supporting I, mates? Yeah, I look, do, but I hate Leeds. I, I know, and you've had a little bit of a thing recently, and I, I very much respect. I think one of the best things that happened to English football for a long time is Leeds getting back into the top flight. 100%. Because they are, they're a proper, um, you know, Premier League football club with great fans, um, a fantastic history. Yep. Um, and you know what? I, I think one of the things that says that they are that is when you get that bit of animosity going between different oh, groups of 100% agree with you. I, I totally agree. If they weren't big, if they weren't boisterous, if they weren't historic, I wouldn't give a crap, would I? So I see... No. I see Leeds on a similar kind of uh, level to Villa in a way of, of where we sit in the pantheon of history and where we could go and stuff like that. So I, I shouldn't use the word hate, but it's good. Oh, it's yeah. kind of good in sport. There's clubs you know, that I hate. Oh, mate, you love the Vikings. Uh, you're trying to get their coaches and their <laughs> managers sacked every week. So you can't be passionate about your club with about, without hating some other clubs. I hate Carlton. We all know that. I one of those cool things today. A really cool thing today I heard was um, discussion about because I mean, Lou's going spare because we're on this holiday, and I keep putting on podcasts from <laughs> at the takeover, and and you know she's like, I fucking heard it all before. I said, no, I haven't heard everything. Um, I heard a great discussion today um, with a guy called um, John Gibson from the Chronicle, oh, who's yeah, been okay. out of there for fifty five. I've sent you stuff for his before, you know when. Yeah. Charlton died and stuff like that, and they asked him, "Do you think that they'll get Rafa?" And he said, "I would love, I would love for us to get Rafa, but Rafa's a very loyal guy, um, and he won't leave Everton." And he said he must be absolutely kicking himself because there's no way <laughs> he's at Everton. He knows he doesn't even manage in the biggest club in that city. And I always think of Everton as a as a, one of the you know main. As a, as, as a, you know, a genuine main Premier League club. But, when, you know, when you think about it, they are playing massively second fiddle. Liverpool, everyone knows that. Um, yeah, they're a similar club to Villa. Would you, would you say they're on the same kind of level as Villa? Well, and Newcastle, to be fair, for the last whatever not years. <laughs> not anymore. Um, no, but Everton's got a very rich owner. Oh, uh, not, yeah. But pales into in, insignificance against yours, mate. Um. Look, what is the most exciting thing for you? Is it because I'm going to be honest with you, John, and you followed Brisbane and I'll, any Richmond supporter who listens to this bit right now is probably going to hate me. You can actually get winning fatigue. That could be something. I know you're well prepared for it, but the first title could be amazing. The second title, I think you've got the fan base to be able to sustain that, um, uh, that love. But if you're a club like City that has... City has as passionate fans as you do. They just don't have as many, right? Mm. Villa has as passionate fans as Man U, but we might not have, have as many around the world. So every club, and we've always said this, I whether it's... I understand group, how many fans we've got. I think that... That's probably that not my point. That, that's not actually my point. I didn't mean this rudely. Mm. What I meant by the point is every single club, whether it's the Brisbane Lions or or Brisbane Heat or, or whatever. Everyone's got a core of supporters who follow their club as much as anyone else, right? But mm. Man City only have a small core of that, whereas I think you have a big core. And if you went through five or six years of winning titles, there will be a slight bit of fatigue. 
Like now, if Man City don't win a Champions League and the Premier League, it's a failed season. I couldn't handle that. A failed season because you came second in the Premier League and made the semis of a Champions League. That that could be a reality for you, damn it. We're actually about to find out what that kind of pressure is like because, you know, um, it, it seems ridiculous, but Juventus and Real Madrid and Barcelona and Manchester United and Liverpool and uh, they, they know what that's like. We don't. Um, I'm happy to embrace it. I want to see what that feels like. I, and I'm not going to get winners fatigue because we've won nothing yet. Well, we're still in a relegation zone. No, but what I'm saying is it, it, it changes pretty quickly. Like, you know. I hope so. My cu- my, and it will. My cups, my cup, at least for many, many years, you know that with Richmond, is quite full. My cup with um, Melbourne Storm is very full. I you think know, with football, it's a little bit different, Paul, because you've got, like, one. I mean, okay, let's be honest. We, we, we're 19th in the premiership. We haven't fired a shot in any of the domestic club comps, um, cup competitions for years, which I, I've always thought was ludicrous. Um, we haven't been near qualifying for Europe for 20 years. There's all different layers of where you can get to. And I think until you actually win the ultimate prize, which is the Champions League, I mean, the City fans, seriously, how can they have winners fatigue yet? They've got to win the Champions League. Well, the way they're carrying on about, you know, unsuccessful seasons and stuff, beggar's belief, mate. Absolutely beggar's belief for me. You know, I I just, I dream for the day that Villa does something. Like, I would take an FA Cup win every day of the week. You know, I'd say... Mate, I'm talking the open top bus. That's what I'm talking about. You'll get it. Is the FA Cup? You're gonna, you're gonna get it, mate. You, you know, I still think you have to earn it. You've got to do things properly, and you've got to make sure that you know you. There's a long way. John, what's what's coming from a pretty ordinary position? Okay, you're coming from a, a position behind, right? You're in a position now where these players aren't going. These aren't, I'm not saying these are the players, but you're in a position where you could go, hey, Mo, come to us. Here's $150 million, uh, Liverpool. Um, here's, you know, some ridiculous amount of money per year. You, you're going to be bidding for players like Sane and Salah. I mean, not Ronaldo now, but you, you could be bidding for Messi's and stuff. I'm sure he's now going, oh, God, I could have played for Newcastle. I'm serious. <laughs> Imagine yeah. we used to joke about Messi at Newcastle. This is I a know. reality for you. I know. I'm, like... trying to, I'm trying to play a straight bat, mate. I, but I, I, I'm, it's you got to see it. You got to see it to believe it. Mbappe, you know, you... Mbappe, come to come to New. I mean, seriously, Newcastle. This is this has ramifications beyond your club. This could change the city of Newcastle. I think. Well, yeah, that's a big part of it too. I think uh, two two really important parts is I think that the, if the new ownership can find a way of utilising Alan Shearer and um, Kevin Keegan as like ambassadors to get these players to the joint um, and talk about what a... And um, and that would have been where Rafa would have been perfect, you know, because I know that Rafa believes in the city and, and well, the Rafa future of the club and all that. He would Rafa have been... Would... You know what? I I just... I think that the, the saddest thing about this is forget Steve Bruce and whatever. I mean, Steve's done a good whatever is that Rafa wasn't the one who got to take this chance. 
Look, and I do get that, and I get the uh, romance behind it and everything. Right? I doubt he'd be kicking himself with how horrible it would have been to be a manager of Newcastle the last few years. He I should have stayed in China for six months. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but the, the man loves football, right? And, and you know, he's at a very good club anyway. I don't mean that rudely. He's at a good – it's not like he's gone to a, a, a struggling championship club. It's not like he's gone to uh, – the Eredivisie or something. Do you know what anyway, I mean? Like, you know what I mean. I you do, I, mean. I do. But, but by the same token, that I think you're talking of, that's more of a romantic thing. Because right? I think the other thing about it is, though, is that there's some longing to have a link between the old and the new. Well, you, you, know, you are. I, you are the link. Your, me? Your, your, your city is the link. Your supporters right. are the link. The, 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 oh, the managers okay. and all that. I, I, I think you guys already are the link between the past and the future because... I don't want to be that person standing up with no clothes on just bagging people from the top of the stadium. Well, you're not, the pl- you're not a group of plastic supporters, right? Yes, mm. it's going to garner. Um, you can't grow without... I always say this with no matter what sport it is, right? When people go, oh, you're a bandwagon supporter. Well, what's the point of having a commercial team? What's the point of having social media? What's the point of having anything of that as a club if you're not trying to attract new support? So I, I kind of can't stand the whole bandwagon thing. I actually had a conversation with someone at a at a game, any sport that I've, I've followed or I've been to, where I've actually said to someone or thought, you know what, you're a, you're, you're a bandwagon jumper because who am I to judge how people come to follow football teams? I'm a, I suppose the thing I can't stand, mate, with, about, I don't want to say bandwagon, the, the ones I can't stand are supporters who don't go wearing the clothes of their club, whether it's a scarf or a hat or whatever, right? I know I go over the top. You've seen all the photos of me. But those are the ones who get so vicious after the game, from my experience, whether it's in Melbourne, whether it's overseas, whether it's in Brisbane. If you're going to support your club, win, lose, or draw, at least wear something that shows who you're actually barracking for because you skulk away when you lose and you, you big it up when you win. They're the ones I hate, mate. They're the, what I would call a bandwagon supporter. You choose to follow a club and you buy a membership, welcome aboard. How does Richmond get to 100,000 members? You don't get to 100,000 members. You know, we've been 100,000 members four or five years in a row, right? Mm. I don't care what anyone says. If per capita, that's bloody amazing. I mean, think of the size of our country and 100,000 people pay for a membership with Richmond every year. That's bloody amazing. Oh, you're big too. I'm going to tell I, you I know what, bit, but you know what I'm I mean. Getting further, further into my seat, and I've still got this smile on my face, and I'm trying to work out what it's from. But it must be the um, the fact that Newcastle is now the richest sports club on the planet. It's pretty scary. It's pretty scary. <laughs> no, look, it is pretty scary. But I mean, I still no, good. I, I know they're the richest club, but actually, are you the richest club? Um, yeah. And what I mean by that is, what it's, I know that. Families like the. No, no, no. That's not. That's not supposed. That's not what I'm saying. Like we know the Dallas Cowboys have not only owners with a lot of money, but they get a lot of revenue through, right? And so I still think the proof's in the pudding of 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 how it's all going to work in the next few years. In other words, it's going to work, and I'm just trying to lower your flames a bit. <laughs> so I still can't believe it. All right. Well, yeah. Next. Look, I, I have been. Really loving some of the piffle that's been coming out of out of people's mouths about, you know, oh my god, I mean, it's the worst thing ever. It's the, it's the death of football, and 
Blah, blah, blah. So everyone knows it's coming. So who said that, John? The Guardian over and over again. Okay. And and, 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 and so these crap publications that, that have nothing better to say, why don't they come out and say, this is brilliant. Last year we were facing the big six was going to destroy the Premier League. Now we've got another team in. And maybe there'll be another team. There'll be another team. And no one's going to... England is the Champions League. Do you know what I mean? Like, I haven't seen that angle. I, I just get pissed off. I'm, I'm a trained... It doesn't really matter. I'm a trained journalist, right? Got my degree, yeah. did my journalism degree, whatever. I was always taught by people who know far more than you and I and have been working in the field for 30 or 40 years and come back and teach because they love it so much, right? And they have always taught me, look for a different angle, look for something, ask the questions of the opposite to everyone else. And all we're hearing from Talk Sport, all we're hearing from BBC, all we're hearing from Guardian it's the same shit. Well, why don't any of them say, you know what? It's fantastic for football. Well, my challenge would be to them, Paul, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, is I want to see a white male journalist between the age of 28 and 40, say 48, right? Yep. Actually make a vlog of themselves handing over their position to somebody who's in more of need, say, from a, a minority group to take their position. So, so let's go some a guy like Barney Renee at at um, The Guardian. Yep. I actually think it's time for him to actually not just resign, but to actually offer up his spot to somebody from a, a, a down trip, maybe a, a migrant community, so maybe from the Middle East, um, and say maybe someone who's just escaping the Saudi regime and say, mate, um, here's my job. I'm off. Yep, fair point. Do that. I'm not giving up my job, mate. (laughs) I I don't care. Do that. I'm not giving up my job. Uh, I don't don't care how hard you don't buy. You know, they're more than happy to expect everybody else to get rid of theirs. Um, and in in this cause it you know to be beacons of all light and and harmony. And it's like you know you're kidding, aren't you? Like honestly, I was always taught charity begins at home. I'll look after my own people. Yep, you have to look after your own before you can do anything for anyone else. Otherwise, you're just damaging mm. the ones you love. Okay, mm. so Lisa Devan has come out, and people have really bagged Lisa the last few days. And I just want to give a bit of a different opinion to a lot of the stuff that's out there. And I'm sorry to uh. any any girls I've um, uh, interviewed for the Matildas and stuff, if you don't like my position, at least honour the fact that I've got an opinion, okay? I think so before you do go on, we have to get to a, a point these days with any discussion where we can allow people to have different points of view. And that's what you and I fought for. Which trials these days, if you don't agree with me, um, I'm going to get that steak ready to have you burnt at it. Well, look, burn me on the stake, and if this is the last podcast, then then that's fine, and I'd be very disappointed mm. if, if you and I let that happen. But I'm going to say this. There are girls that I've interviewed and ladies that I've interviewed, and they were girls, some of them, when I interviewed them, so I'm allowed to say girls, okay? Bloody hell, they were girls, um, and they've become women in that. And this week has really pissed me off. I don't, I'm not a big fan of Lisa Devanners, and in fact, the way she's carried on over the years, I haven't really enjoyed seeing interviews with her or anything like that. Is she one of the greatest talents Australian football's ever produced? I would say, yes, she is. 
I would say are undoubtedly one of the greatest uh, male or female soccer players this country's ever seen. She's come out and said over the last few years, she's been frozen out of teams. She's been discriminated against. She's had, um, you know, a lot of uh, issues with coaches and so forth, okay? And on the same week that she's come out with these, almost every single Matilda accounts or every single thing encountered has had people coming out and even people you and I know, I will say no more than that, come out and say, mm. I've never seen any of this. No, 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 no. Yeah, I'm I read all those you... reports. I, I read all those comments. Okay, good. Well, I'm going to let you know for an absolute fact, she hasn't put this complaint out after she was out of the team. She was actually making these complaints when she was playing. So I'm not saying that she's right or everyone else is wrong, but please don't mistake the fact that she's done it now as her career's ending, that she's done it because of that. Because she has been doing it for a number of years and it, it is an unequivocal truth that she's made these complaints for years. So that's all I want to say, John. I'm not picking a side. I'm saying don't bullshit and say that it's only just come out now and oh, it's sour grapes and all this, that and the other. Lisa Devan has actually for a number of years been putting these out. So I just want okay. to be, be clear Who's on the, that. What, what's the name of the old coach? Stadich. Yeah. You just got to mention his name. And and that discord amongst that playing group, the, the same discord that probably cost them a World Cup or Olympic medal, mm. Mm. Um, it, it, it's not being made up. It, it, I just feel bad for her that it's a lot of people, uh, 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 because people believe what they read on social media and so forth. And why I feel bad for her, whether I agree with her or not, whether I like her or not, doesn't. it's not the point. The point is, she has not just made these claims now. Well, well when Alan worked. was sacked, when, and, and, and this would be a great time to have Pete because he knows everyone. When Alan was sacked, right? Yep. Were they, were they not on their way to win the World Cup? They were, gonna, they were definitely contending, absolutely. Yeah, well, they didn't get close, did they? Nope. You know, but, and but, you know, a lot of what she's talking about didn't seem to be a thousand miles away from the discussion around the way that that happened. I'm glad Pete's not on here, to be honest, because whilst Pete knows about this, Pete has a really um, burgeoning um, coaching career. Pete is probably the nicest guy. Yeah. I, and I'm, I wouldn't want him in this conversation to protect him, to be honest. Um, he does have the best insight out of all of us and knows people inside out, but I don't think it'd be fair to put him in that position. <laughs> but um, we can be in that position, you know. And Well, if it was, let's put it this way, if it was the men's team, and say if it was an Indigenous player who was saying this had happened to them, yep, I don't think it would end today. Mate, I don't know. I don't know anymore. I've lost so much faith in what is right and wrong um, in the world. I mean, I know what's right and wrong for my own morals. But Jesus, but I also, mate. I also know this, that even within my own small world, is that I have to make difficult decisions regularly about who plays and who doesn't. Oh, Definitely. And, and how you handle hard it, it's really hard. It's a really hard thing. And, and I think it is probably the hardest thing in coaching, in my mind, if you've got a really good squad and it's a deep squad, it's hard. But if the players know where they're at, they will know that that's a hard truth that needs to be told to them. I think most players, you would know it if you're not centering the ball in cricket or you'd know it in any sport you're playing. Just when you're off that slight bit, you, you do know it. I reckon you know. I mean, I always knew. 
you know, I couldn't find the ball one day in football and the coach kept me on the game. I'm just like, get me out, man. I, I cannot find the football. He put me in the middle. He put me up forward. Put me, I couldn't find it. I'd run so to where with, it was going to be. With the Devanna stuff, I mean, yep. why was why was she saying she was being singled out? It's probably probably a podcast in itself, um, but she's not backwards and coming forwards, is she? Because I have to admit it, sometimes when I read this stuff, I just go, you know what, I don't care. You played 150 times for the – things can't be that bad, see you later. Yep. Do well, you know what I mean? I know what you're saying here. I just find it very, very funny – that sponsors have come out and they're standing behind the Matildas on Wasted Havana, like actually having to make the comments. And all these Matildas coming out, it feels very orchestrated, the attack on her at this time. Do you know what I mean? Um, she just, you know, uh, she opened up about, you know, different things that occurred throughout her career, sexual harassment in the dressing room, different things like that as well, that she went to people and basically she she believes her, her complaints were, were met you know, with silence, okay? And, you know, that's fair enough in any workplace. You have uh, every single right to come out and, and make those things. I just find, I think the players should have shut their mouths this week and just waited a little bit longer and let the, the governing body come out and say stuff. That's just my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, you have to run a women's dressing room. I, look, actually, I better not even say that. I think um, the... Well, we've had, you know, we've had lots of discussions and this is, a, it gets even harder even for us. Yep. Having worked a lot in, in, in women's and girls sport is that, oh man, like how you, you know, how you actually um, maintain people's psyche is incredibly difficult. Extremely. And I don't believe you have to be a woman to do it either. No. So but I'm, we're, gonna, we're I'm making... I know there's not. It's not. A, I suppose it's not. A, I'm not making. I don't it a, a, <laughs> nah, I'm not making. You're asking to be finished with your sport. I, I'm not making this a female or male thing. I just find, at the moment, I think there's people in sporting positions and and advisors and and different media people who really don't have their fingers on the pulse. Um, that's, I've worked in those fields. You know that. And sometimes you just have to sit back and go, you know what, let's, let's ride this out. You don't have to comment on everything. And I think we're in a society now, if something happens, you have to comment. Maybe wait, reflect, get a bit more facts before you jump in and, and, and come out with crap is all I'm well, saying. I think one of the things with the Devana stuff is that um, they didn't really seem to go looking very hard for people to back a story up. Whereas when the standing stuff was out, it was interesting. They were trying to find people to back it up, but they couldn't. Yep. Uh, can I say, do you think that was a fair reflection of what happened? I, I mean, I, talking about Stance and going, he's awesome. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of people, I know a lot of people in hindsight have said that he was amazing. And we all, I, I mean, I don't know him as a person. I, I know what I saw in the field. I know how progressive our team had become. Um, I can only judge it on that. Um, you know, you've spoken about the difficulties of coaching different um, gender groups and different things. I'm not going to get you in trouble. There are different ways you have to handle those situations. And, and you know, same, I've got, a, you know, I've got a nine-year-old who's starting her basketball kind of career at the moment. And 
I love coaching basketball, right? I can't coach her team at the moment, but I coach her when I'm outside with her and stuff. I, I don't coach her any differently to a coach a guy in, because all I'm teaching her at the moment is the fundamentals. So I'm not going to mm. teach a girl different fundamentals to, than I'm going to teach a guy. I'm going to teach you that you have to be good with both hands. I'm going to teach you that you have to keep your body between, you know, keep the ball, your body between the ball and your opponent. They're all the basics I'm going to teach. When it comes to a game and there's three points difference and these girls or guys have been playing together for six or seven years, I am going to have to handle those psyche um, situations differently. I have no doubt about that. But the basic stuff, I don't have to. No. Formations, I don't have to. No. So I don't know, man. I, I, I just, I'm sorry I've been fired up in this podcast tonight, but I'm sick of, you know, everyone jumps really quickly and everyone needs to be the first uh, news publication to come out and break a story. They have to be the first to say, oh, Hawthorne's now trading four players to Richmond, Essendon and Carlton. This is amazing. Just wait till it bloody happens. You know what? People are far happier with that now. I don't care. I didn't even look at trade week this week. That's another one for you, mate. I, 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 I think the AFL trade should be done over three days. And I think oh. they, get all ge- they get all general managers into a room with all these players or whatever, and they just smash it out. Because the two or three weeks or whatever it is is absolute bullshit. I think they'd far rather talk about really divisive stuff like um, um, race and gender than, um, than trades every day of the week, the papers. But anyway, I, I'll go with a quote from a guy who knew a lot more better than me. And it's like, let that person without sin uh, cast the first stone. I think we've said that a few times. I think we've said Mm. that a few times on this pod. Mate, on a positive note, um, you're a massive NFL man. I'm a massive NFL man, but I've really started enjoying my college football over the last few years. I actually probably have since I was about 14, 15, but really got into it the last few years because you can watch so many games and extended highlights. Never, ever have I seen a better weekend of college football than last weekend, mate. The defences aren't great. I get that. But we saw four or five games between top teams that were decided with outrageous field goals or touchdowns. It was the best weekend of college football, hands down, I've ever seen. I hear some people from the NFL and college space always talk about, oh, my God, like Ross Tucker is a guy I love, but he's always banging on about, you know, we've got to get rid of kickers from the game, blah, blah. Tell you what, the kicking in the NFL for the small, the tiny infinitesimal amount of time that spends on the field is such an incredible um, metaphor for everything in sport. Yep. It's like a penalty shootout at the World Cup every week. Yeah. And, you know, I heard a, a – I'm not a college expert, you know that, but I, I did spend a fair bit of time this morning – What. Hey, you there still there, mate? Hello? The Packers had, had struggles with, with kicking, and all they wanted to do was criticise the Packers and say that they can't do this and they can't do that. And then the, the very same scenario comes up the next day, and... And somehow it's like, oh, my God, you know, the Colts can't play and the Ravens are incredible. It's like, eh, that doesn't ring true to me anymore. I, I'm sick of this bogus analysis. The, the Colts should have had that game won two times in regular period time. Yep. And they didn't. 
Lamar led a, a, a comeback at the end. And the other thing was really interesting, I don't know if you saw it, um, when the, the Colts made a, a, a fumble off Lamar, they ran it back. It looked like they ran it back for a touchdown. Yeah. Yep. Called the lateral back. And I think that's because they're just not used to people throwing that pass because in the NRL rugby union, let's play on. It's called parallax error. He threw it backwards and the guy took it on the fly running and you could hear the commentator saying, I think that that's a backwards pass. They're going, oh, my God, he threw it on this and it was caught. It's like he threw it backwards. Yeah, that's exactly right. One of the coolest plays I've ever seen and all I could think of was how fast the the Colts player was who took the pass. Mate, can I go back quickly to the college football just for a sec? Right? Sorry, man. I was going to drag you away from that. No, no, not at all. Texas play Oklahoma. Mm. 55-48 is the score, right? I hate games like that, man. I, I know I generally do too. But it, a lot of the touchdowns happened in the last few minutes. It was unbelievable. The atmosphere... You could barely hear it. Like you had it on TV, I had it up. You could barely hear mm. the commentators. Mississippi beat Arkansas 52-51. And these were all happening back to back. Like I was watching games, seriously, where I think Wake Forest beat Syracuse 40 to 37. And the games were back to back. And I'm going, this is the best game I've ever seen. Next game. Mm. Oh my God, this is the best game I've ever seen. And then Texas AM to finish it all off beat Alabama. Thank goodness, because we need Texas A&M are a big, big, big college yeah, football team, cool right? Yeah. And finally get a good win, right? They, they, they beat Alabama 41-38. Now, the reason I bring this up, mate, is Notre Dame beat Virginia Tech. Right? All these games, if you, if, if you got up at like 2 in the morning, uh, ESPN or Fox or whatever had them on back to back to back to back to back, and every single game got better. It, it was just I, – I know I'm going on, but I, it was just the best weekend of college football ever. Well, they must have had their matchups right because they spend so much time dealing around with dudes who don't, you know, beating up on people who they should beat up on. And that's why ah. I hate college. Oh, and oh, I agree with you. I can't stand those kind of things, mate. But I'll just give an example. Mississippi 52 over Arkansas 51. Oklahoma 55 over Texas 48, right? Then mm. there was um, – uh, I think, sorry. Oh, yeah, Iowa beat Penn State in a really great game, 23-20. All these magnificent games I was waiting for are normally blowouts. You couldn't give a crap, right? LSU got beaten by Kentucky, 42-21. Kentucky's generally a basketball college, right? I didn't hear that. And and I've never, in all my life, and I've followed college football 30-odd years, right? I've never had a better weekend of college football than that. I literally was sitting there going, oh, this game's great. Oh, my God. That's the best game I've ever seen. I said that's the best game I've ever seen. I think I sent a message to my dad. And an hour and a bit later, I saw a better game. And, I'm exaggerating. Part, and, I, and I don't want to go off too much, but like the, um, you know, who did the Browns get beaten by this week? Um, oh, my God. Do, 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 do. Um, they got beaten in one of those shootouts and, 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 and they couldn't get over the line. It was like, you know, a 50 to 40 sort of thing. Yeah. And, you know, I remember a couple of years ago when the, the Rams and the – and the um, was it the Chargers they got beat by? Browns and the Chargers? It was. Yeah. Um, but the, the, there was this crazy shootout between the Rams and 
and the Chiefs a few years ago and they said, oh, it's the future of football and all that. And I hate those games. I understand what people like about that non-sort yeah. of downfield throw and attack, but I'm, I prefer the intrigue of, of games when defence actually exists. I do too, but college football is not known for that. So, And I really, 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 really think the NFL's got a massive problem for the for the first time we're going to call. We've been talking about it, but yep. the officiating is a joke. It's it's really bad. And and, and my dad brought this up. Um, has COVID affected officiating as well? Because these coaches, uh, sorry, the, the, offici- the officials haven't been able to get together as much and review as much film together and, and stuff like that. I thought it was a really valid point that COVID may have affected. We all go on about how it affects players and so forth, but has it affected officiating? It probably has. The, the, the calls are a disgrace. And my last point, because um, I'm going to bed, man. Yeah, man. My last point is this, is that the, 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 lots of people have got the Cowboys ranked now as their top team in the NFL. Chargers beat the Browns, right? Yeah, so yeah it was the Chargers and the Browns. But the, the calls of praise for Mike McCarthy as the head coach, who's only been there for a year and a bit, and turned around a pretty much a moribund franchise. You actually have been saying you actually have been saying how well he's done all in now. their silence. Yeah. They want to they want to hit up everyone else. Yeah, they will not yeah. mention him. Well, forty four twenty over the Giants. I mean, Giants are a pretty average team, but they've been fighting hard this year, and that was a really classy win. Um, your guys, oh my God, could any you were talking about kicking that game between you and you played the Bengals, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Could anyone kick a goal then? <laughs> it felt like it felt like no one could make a conversion or or, or get a field goal. It was pretty. Um, it was, I'll tell you what it was. It was um, it was amazing theatre. Well, one of the one of the games. This is why I don't always you can't judge by scores. Rams beat the Seahawks twenty six seventeen. Right. Mm, um, that was a good game in, in Seattle. It was a good game, but the Rams never looked like losing that. It, it's funny. It was only nine points, but I didn't think the Rams ever looked like losing. Mm. So it was a good weekend. I mean, there was a game in London. At, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, the, the Jets and Falcons. Who would want to see that game, right? It was a actual ripper. It was yeah. a good game. It was a really, really good game. Uh, yeah. Your favourite team, the Vikings, put the Lions down and the Lions... God, I are... wish the Lions had done that. I, I just wish the Lions... Had... I don't cheer for the Lions very often, but... I know, when I know. Vikings, do. <laughs> have we got any Vikings well, mate... in, our, in our, of our listeners? I don't think so. There'd have to be someone. Look, I'm a you know I'm a Finns fan, but mate, one we got absolutely four fingers up the bum without even a kiss. From You're the on Struggle Street, mate. Oh my god, Tom Brady, four hundred yards again and five passing touchdowns. Now, guess what? Four hundred yards, five touchdowns for the greatest ever. That was the first time he's done that in his career. You guys could have had Justin Herbert, hey? Yep. That's got to hurt. And Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> you could have had anyone. Dude, I'll take Dan Marino back now. <laughs> Seriously, uh, we are an absolute... And I love... You know, I love the Finns like you love the Packers, man. And I just keep... I got so excited for the start of the year. I thought we're at least going to be competitive. We're, and and you know what? 
our coach is a good coach and he's going to be sacrificed and it'll just really annoy the hell out of me because it's not always a coach's fault that your team's crap. Sometimes it's just a crap team. Oh, yeah. And sometimes I mean, the, the coach does a good job and he doesn't get any credit like, say, Mike McCarthy. Put Lee Matthews at uh, the Gold Coast Suns the last few years. It doesn't mean they were going to be any better because it looked like they didn't want to play. Sometimes that just happens. Mate, this has been a fired up podcast. This is the Love Sport podcast. We're passionate about our sport because we love sport. We love people. And if you disagree with our point of view, that's okay too because that's life. Thanks for listening to the Love Sport Podcast. I hope you stayed with us throughout the uh, pod. Uh, Obviously, John and I had strong opinions on what's going on in the modern world of sports, and I hope you do too. So join us on Facebook or Twitter. You can get me at Paul underscore football or John at Lambic Peach. You can also follow Love Sport Podcast on Facebook and Twitter as well. So you know what? We're not bland. We say it the way we see it. Not always right. Not always right, but uh, not always wrong either. This is, was, and always will be the Love Sport Podcast.